What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 43 of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. We have reached the finale of this list of the top 25 best games of the last decade. It is a list that has taken up, I believe, about seven weeks worth of content, but we have finally reached number one. And if you've been following along at all, you'll probably know that number one comes as no surprise to anyone. There really is no other game that I even considered putting at number one. And the number one game of the last decade comes to us from November 2nd, 2016, game seven of the World Series between the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians. One of the great baseball games of all time, maybe even the greatest. We can talk about that a little bit at the end. But first, I need to provide some context because coming into this series, both these teams had the longest title droughts in all of baseball. The Cubs with the longest championship drought in the history of North American sports, 108 years without a World Series championship. And both these teams came into this series in kind of different ways. The Cubs were the odds-on favorite from really the very end of the 2015 season to be World Series champions in 2016. And unlike so many other Chicago Cubs teams before them that had continually disappointed, this team lived up to the expectations. They were wire-to-wire champions. They were the best team in baseball from day one, and they showed it winning 103 games in the regular season. The Cleveland Indians expectations not nearly as high exceeded those expectations throughout the season ran away with their division continually beating my Detroit Tigers every chance they got it seemed but they came into the postseason very banged up no Carlos Carrasco he was injured by a line drive late in the season no Danny Salazar who made an all-star team in 2016 this was not a team that a lot of people thought would come out of the American League because of the injuries to their pitching staff and yet they just kept rolling swept the Boston Red Sox ending Big Poppy's career in 2016, and then kind of dominated the Toronto Blue Jays winning that series in five games. I mean, this was a banged up team, and I've said this before, th- what Terry Francona did with this baseball team, it's one of the greatest managerial seasons in the history of sports, especially one of the greatest managerial postseasons in the history of Major League Baseball. And, and you came into the series, I felt like the Cubs were the better team, and yet the Indians just kept rolling. They really didn't care. I had so much respect for both these clubs, and Cleveland dominated Game 1, winning 6 nothing. Corey Kluber, unbelievable in that game. Chicago bounced back, winning Game two on the road, 5-1. to one. Jake Arrieta pitching some pretty good baseball in that one. Game three was a pitcher's duel, and the Indians' bullpen shut that one out late, thwarting a Cubs rally, one nothing Cleveland in game three. Game four, Corey Kluber was brilliant once again, and Jason Kipnis had a big game in that game. Indians went up 3-1 to one in the series, winning game four, 7-2. Two. Game three, after falling behind early, the Cubs Rally, John Lester pitched a pretty good ball game, getting the win in that one. And Aroldis Chapman discussed this a little bit the other day. One of the greatest relief pitching performances in modern-day postseason history. Comes out of the pen, pitches two and two-thirds scoreless innings, earning the eight-out save. Unheard of in, in today's baseball, especially for a reliever. Cubs won game five, three to two, and they jumped on Josh Tomlin early on, winning game six back at Progressive Field, 9-3. to Jake Arrieta got the win, but also of importance, Aroldis Chapman pitched an inning and a third in that ballgame as well through 20 pitches, so he was gassed, which became a, a very important 
storyline in Game 7. So coming into this thing, I truly, I had no idea who was going to win this thing. I had so much respect for both these ball clubs. I had so much respect for how the Indians had just continued rolling despite the injuries to their pitching staff. They had just been incredible all postseason, really all year. They bounced back from every bit of adversity that came their way. The Cubs, I felt, were the better team. And one of these teams was going to face destiny. And it was going to be a, a remarkable end to a series that was a show from beginning to end. Corey Kluber on the mound once again for the Indians, making his third start of the series. Once again, unheard of in, in baseball today that you have a starting pitcher start in games one, four, and seven. You wondered how much he had in the tank. The Cubs countered with Kyle Hendricks, who had a career year in 2016, finished third for the Cy Young, won the ERA title in the National League, actually had the best ERA of anyone in baseball that season, and pitched. Pitched one of the great games I've ever seen in game six of the NLCS, shutting down the Los Angeles Dodgers over seven and a third innings. He was just spectacular. So I really had no idea how this thing was going to pan out. And what we got in this game will go down forever as one of the most memorable baseball games that has ever been played. But early on, it didn't seem like it was going to be that way. Corey Kluber took the mound facing Dexter Fowler, the Cubs leadoff guy, and on a 2-1 pitch, Dexter Fowler made a little bit of World Series history in Game 7. That's in the air to center. Back at the wall, it is gone! What a start! Dexter Fowler, hello! Seven. Chicago. Joe Buck on the call there, obviously. Cubs picking up right where they left off, keeping the bats hot after a 9-3 thrashing in Game 6. The first, and to this day only, leadoff home run in Game 7 of the World Series. Cubs striking first and striking quick, and Kyle Hendricks seemed like a guy who had his best stuff on this night. Kyle Hendricks is not a guy who gets rattled. I mean, he, they call him the professor for a reason. He's just very even keel on the mound. Did get into a little bit of trouble in the bottom of the third inning. Coco Crisp led off with a double. Roberto Perez would hit a sack bunt, moving Crisp over to third. And then Carlos Santana would hit a single to right field, driving in Coco Crisp, tying this game up at three. And I remember a smile coming across my face, being like, all right, here we go. We got a ball game now. We're right back where we started. Progressive field was rocking, and that home home field advantage quickly got taken out of the game because you get to the top of the fourth, and the Cubs' bats came alive. Once again, Chris Bryant singles to left field. Anthony Rizzo hit by pitch. Ben Zobrist grounds into a force out at second base, moving Chris Bryant to third. Addison Russell would hit a shallow sack fly to center. I wasn't sure if they were even going to send Chris Bryant home on this play, but they did. Really heads up base running, got a great read on it, scores on a sack fly, and then Wilson Contreras, the rookie, doubles to center field, scoring Ben Zobrist, 3-1 Cubbies, Kyle Hendricks would go 1-2-3 in the bottom of the fourth, and then Javier Baez, on the first pitch he saw from Corey Kluber, would hit a solo home run to right center field, ending Corey Kluber's night and ending Corey Kluber's season, he just didn't have any left in the tank. He was so good throughout the 2016 postseason, just ran out of gas. I mean, they were asking so much of him to put together three quality starts in one seven-game series. He just didn't have enough. Javi Baez with his first home run since the game-winning home run in game one of the NLDS against the Giants, but he was for the most part, probably the Cubs' most consistent bat in the 2016 postseason. Co-NLCS 
MVP in honor he shared with John Lester. A lot of people believe that 2018 was the year in which Javi Baez really broke out and obviously he finished second for the MVP that year. He was brilliant, but the postseason in 2016 was when anyone in their right minds could tell that Javier Baez was going to be a star and he proved it. Cubs are up 4-1. Andrew Miller would be put into the game in the fifth inning and Andrew Miller was the baddest dude on the planet in the 2016 postseason. ALCS MVP, to do that as a reliever is pretty astonishing, and he deserved it. You could not touch Andrew Miller in the postseason. Now, in Game 4, in kind of a meaningless moment, Dexter Fowler homered off of him. Obviously, the the it didn't mean much. The Indians won that game going away, but for the first time, it seemed like there was a crack in the foundation of of dominance, and the Cubs took advantage of that in Game 7. Dexter Fowler singles. Kyle Schwarber grounds into a double play, then Chris Bryant walks. Anthony Rizzo would single to right, but Chris Bryant, who on this night made a lot of, did a lot of little things that made a big difference, scores from first base on a single by Rizzo. Rizzo would move to second on the throw, but a heads-up play by Chris Bryant. Great base running. It's 5-1 Cubs. They're rolling. They have the ERA champion on the mound. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, Kyle Hendricks even got two quick outs in the fifth inning. He was rolling. Then he walks Carlos Santana, and Joe Madden made the first of what I thought was several managerial gaffes on this evening. He takes Kyle Hendricks out of the game. Now, I disagree with that decision in general. I, I thought it was a bad move to take him out. Kind of did the same thing in game three of this series, pulling Hendricks early when he had a scoreless outing going. It was surprising to me, especially considering how good Hendricks had been all season. It made it seem like maybe he just didn't trust him. But he not only takes Hendricks out, he goes with John Lester. Now he's t- Madden had said he planned on getting Lester into this game at some point, and why not? John Lester was awesome in 2016, especially in the postseason. But the one thing about John Lester, we talked about this when we talked about the 2014 AL wildcard game when he was with the A's. John Lester can't throw to first, and you don't want to put a guy who doesn't have a pickoff attempt in the game with a runner on base. And Madden even said this. He said, if I'm going to put Lester in, I'm going to do it in a clean inning when there's nobody on base. And he completely contradicted himself and it proved costly because Jason Kipnis would single to center. David Ross just put into the game his final game in Major League Baseball. He was John Lester's personal catcher, makes an error on the throw to first. So you now have two runners in scoring position. And a few pitches later, Lester throws a ball in the dirt. It bounces off the ground, then off of David Ross's mask. Not only does Carlos Santana score from third, but Jason Kipnis comes all the way around from second to score, cutting the lead in half before the Indians even put a ball in play. It goes from 5-1 to one to 5-3. to three. Momentum had completely swung back to the Tribe side. This was a massive managerial gaffe, and if this game would have ended differently, there would have been a lot of people who would have wanted Joe Madden's head. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because Joe Madden, I thought, think, did a phenomenal job in Chicago. In my opinion, I, I don't think they should have parted ways with him, which they did at the end of the 2019 season. But this was a, a big-time gaffe, and it cut the Cubs' lead in half, making it 5-3. to three. We're going to talk about the, the second half of this game when we come back. This podcast is going to run long, and that's fine. There is so much that happened in this game that is worth covering. We'll be back here in a second. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut free flavors, 
flavors. It says so on the packaging. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I had my very first one just the other day, the peanut butter brownie one. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, which have a little bit of crunch to them, these, they really do melt in your mouth. And Built Bars are healthy too. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Look at uh, something like the peanut butter brownie, the one I just talked about. That's 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams net carbs. You can try them today, but we have a special offer as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. To an early morning breakfast burrito, to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we're back. So like I said, the momentum had kind of swung back into the Indians' direction, but that was quickly thwarted because David Ross came to the plate his final game in the major leagues, going up against the best reliever on the planet in the postseason that year, Andrew Miller, and he has one of the most memorable and surprising home runs in World Series history. Ross flies one into center, sends Davis back at the wall, and it is gone! The 39-year-old in his final game, David Ross, has made it 6-3. You know, I thought that Madden made a poor decision taking Hendricks out of the game. I thought he made an even worse decision putting Lester in the game when he said he wasn't going to do it unless there was a clean inning. But after Ross hit this home run... I was starting to feel pretty confident that the Cubs were going to be world champions. This was storybook stuff. A 39-year-old in his last game taking the most dominant reliever on the planet that year, or at least in October, deep, making it 6-3. to three. Momentum back on the Cubs' side. You have Lester in the game. He was pitching some pretty darn good baseball. Throws a scoreless 6th. Throws a scoreless 7th. Gets two outs in the 8th. Jose Ramirez then singles to short an infield single. Probably a play that could have been made, from what I remember, by Addison Russell, but it wasn't. And they decided to go with Araldis Chapman, with the bottom of the order, coming up for the Indians in a 6-3 game. Cubs four outs away 
from winning the World Series, and you go with a guy in Chapman who they acquired at the deadline, you know, traded, it was a heavy, heavy toll. I mean, traded Gleber Torres, who has gone on to be an all-star in this league. I still agree with the deal, and Chapman had some big moments in this postseason, and they asked so much of him in this postseason, especially in this World Series, and he was gassed, but it's a three-run, it's a three-run lead with four outs to go. And Chapman, even at 70%, even at 60%, is still more dominant than most relievers in baseball. He can hold a three-run lead, especially against, it's the bottom of the Indians lineup. What's going to happen? But then, Brandon Geyer doubles to center, scoring Jose Ramirez, and it brings the tying run to the plate in the form of Rajay Davis. I like Rajay Davis. I liked Rajay Davis when he was in Detroit. Had some big moments. A, a walk-off grand slam off of Sean Doolittle in 2014 when the Tigers were down by three runs. Some big moments. I like that dude a lot. He's a good player. Adds a lot to a baseball team. He's choking up on the bat, but he's battling. You know, he doesn't seem like much of a power threat, but you never know. Chapman supplies plenty of power with that heater that he throws. But he kept going fastball after fastball after fastball, and Rajay kept fouling off pitches. It was a, it was a spectacular at-bat. And on the seventh pitch of the at-bat, Rajay Davis became a Cleveland Indians legend. An amazing moment, and I don't want to take anything away from Rajay or the Indians. What an incredible rally coming back with four outs to go. They score three runs, including this two-run home run, but I'm not going to lie. My heart was broken for Cubs fans. I mean, this only tied it. It had the feeling of, it Like it seemed like things were going to be inevitable, that the Indians were going to win this thing. Now, destiny had been completely ripped away from the Cubs. They, they had taken the final page of the Cubs storybook season, and the Indians ripped that page out of the book and used it as toilet paper. And Araldis Chapman was clearly crushed. You could see it on his face and how he reacted to it in the locker room uh, during the rain delay, which we'll talk about in a second, proves that a stunning moment. I mean, this was going to be the worst loss in the history of the Chicago Cubs, and that is really, really saying something. Steve Bartman was about to be forgiven because public enemy number one on the North Shot on the north side of Chicago was about to be Araldis Chapman. Now, in, in fairness to the Cubs. They kind of bounced back. You get to the top of the ninth, Cody Allen on the mound, David Ross walks, Chris Coglin pinch runs for David Ross, Jason Hayward grounds into a force out at second, then steals second base, advances to third on the air by the catcher, Jan Gomes, so the Cubs are in business, and Javier Baez is coming to the plate, and this was, to me, a, a comp- another managerial gaffe. He kept trying to have Javi Baez bunt, and he ends up striking out on a foul bunt in a tie game with one out in the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series. Let him swing the bat. This made no sense to me. It still doesn't. I'm not even a Cubs fan, and this bothered me. Dexter Fowler would then ground out to short on a really good play by Francisco Lindor, and it felt like the, whatever chances the Cubs might have had uh, may have just ended. They had or, you know, a runner in scoring position with one out, questionable managerial decision having Baez bunt, and then Fowler grounds out, 
And not only that, you get to the bottom of the ninth, and Araldus Chapman, who was toast, who was done, who was finished, comes back out to pitch the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth, with the one, two, and three batters due up in the lineup. This was a guy who just got beat by Brandon Geyer and Rajay Davis, and you're you're expecting him to throw a scoreless frame with the top of the Indians lineup due up, this was recipe for disaster. You were just, it was inevitable. You were waiting for the Indians to walk this thing off. And Araldis Chapman pitched, in my opinion, the most impressive, gutsy inning I have ever seen. This was a guy who looked like he was toast. He was mentally shook. He was physically shook. The arm seemed dead. I forgot to mention that the, the pitch he threw to Rajay Davis that he gave up the home that he gave up the home run on was his slowest fastball of the entire season. But what he did in the bottom of the ninth inning, going one, two, three was the stuff of legends because he pitched. Araldis Chapman is one of the greatest throwers of all time, right? But in this inning, he pitched. He threw a couple wrinkles in there. He threw a slider. He threw. I think he threw more sliders than fastballs because he knew that his fastball didn't have it on this night. And if he would have done that to Rajay Davis, and I've always said this, if he would have, uh, if he would have spun one slider to Davis, I, I don't know if we'd be talking about such a memorable home run by Rajay. But he didn't. He was too fastball heavy. But he comes out in the bottom of the ninth, goes one, two, three, and then there's a rain delay. Rain falls all over Progressive Field, and the game is delayed. And I was, I was happy this happened, because in this moment I was sitting with my college roommates, reflecting and being like, "Man, this is one of the greatest games I have ever seen." And it was a blessing for the Cubs, who have even admitted that if not for the rain delay, they probably wouldn't have won the World Series. They were so crushed. But. You have the rain delay. Jason Hayward gives his his famous speech, his now famous speech, and you come out in the top of the 10th inning, Brian Shaw on the mound. Kyle Schwarber leads off with a single. Kyle Schwarber should never have to buy a beer in the city of Chicago ever again. Dude tore his ACL, what's four games into the season. Doesn't come back until the World Series where he was a hit and fool. An unbelievable performance by Schwarber. He is taken out. Albert Almora comes in to pinch run. Chris Bryant hits a deep fly ball to center. Rajay Davis makes the catch. Rajay, not a good player, not a solid arm in center field. Albert Almora tags up from first and moves to second. This, to me, you could write a thesis on how why this play defines what it means to be a champion. Because this was well hit. And honestly, off the bat, I thought that might be gone. Heads up play by Albert Almora, the rookie. Goes back to first base. Tags up, moves the runner into scoring position. Brian Shaw then intentionally walks Anthony Rizzo. And Ben Zobrist, in his first year with the Cubs, signed a four-year deal at the end of the 2015 season. Gets the biggest hit in Chicago Cubs history and probably one of the top five biggest hits in baseball history off of Brian Shaw. In a game filled with memorable images and spectacular moments, one that I always remember is the image of Ben Zobrist leaping into second base with his fist raised, helmet falling off. It's it's what makes baseball great. It's the it was a moment of pure, unadulterated joy. Putting the Cubs in front in this back and forth game seven. 
Now, Addison Russell would be intentionally walked. Miguel Montero with that single to left, scoring Anthony Rizzo. An overlooked hit. I mean, this put him up by two. Now, Trevor Bauer would be brought in. He would strike out Jason Hayward in one of the worst at-bats I've ever seen. Just straight up. Bauer didn't throw a single good pitch, and Hayward was swinging at junk. Javi Baez would fly out to center, so it would stay a two-run lead. Carl Edwards Jr., would come on to try to close this thing out. This kid who was called up in the middle of the season in 2016 with the nickname the String Bean Slinger comes on. He strikes out Mike Napoli. Jose Ramirez grounds out to short. He doesn't go. He doesn't throw any good pitches to Brandon Geyer. He ends up walking Brandon Geyer. I think he got a bit nervous. You got to attack, especially with a two-run lead. You know, pump balls into the strike zone. He didn't. Geyer walks. He goes to second on defensive indifference. And then Rajay Davis once again singles to center, scoring Brandon Geyer. Davis now at first, you know he's a threat to steal. This bottom of the Indians lineup with Brandon Geyer and Rajay Davis, we're looking like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth all of a sudden. The Cubs could not get these guys out, and they were so close, one out away from their first World Series in 108 years, and this Indians team, one of the gutsiest teams I've ever watched, just wouldn't quit. Michael Martinez, who was a defensive replacement brought in late in this game, would come on to face Mike Montgomery, the lefty acquired at midseason by the Cubs, had never had a career save, was being asked to come on and get the biggest out in the history of the Chicago Cubs. He starts off Martinez with a breaking ball, and he goes back to it, and on the 0-1, history was made. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs! That, to me, is the best call of Joe Buck's career. So much joy, so much jubilation in that call. What an amazing, amazing game. This is not just really, in all honesty, maybe not even my favorite baseball game of all time. It might be my favorite sporting event of all time. Game 7 of the 2016 World Series was an absolute show. And as this is so cliche, what I'm about to say, but it's one of the few times in my life I actually said this out loud and felt that it was a shame that one of these teams had to lose. I had so much respect for both of these baseball teams. These guys put on a show. They worked their asses off throughout this entire season. And there are so many alternate universes out there where the Indians would have been champions on this night, but it was just, it was meant to be for the Cubs. And if you, if you ever want, unless you're an Indians fan, if you're ever looking for a good cry, go to YouTube and look up Cubs fans reacting to the final out of the 2016 World Series. This was a sporting event that went beyond baseball. Every game that I've covered on this list, uh, from 25 all the way to 2, was baseball history. And there were some amazing moments there, and stuff that I loved talking about and I loved covering, and baseball fans like myself will talk about forever. This game, the reason why this thing is number one on this list is because it went beyond baseball history. This was American history. This was the type of stuff that you read about in in history books when you're in elementary and high school. It was that big of a deal. The highest rated, most watched World Series in 25 years. This was a baseball game made for people who don't even like baseball. We will never see a World Series quite like this ever again. Two teams in the midst of historic droughts fighting to the bitter end to try to bring home a championship, and ultimately it was the Cubs who prevailed. 
Look, recency bias, I understand, though it's been four years now. It's not that recent, though it is recent. And I understand I'm, I'm young. I I think you can make a strong argument this was the greatest baseball game of all time. I mean, this is the longest podcast I've done since I've started doing this. And there's so much I didn't cover here. I didn't cover David Ross being carried off the field. I didn't cover Chris Bryant showing a lot of emotion, crying in his post-game interview. I didn't talk about some of the errors that the Cubs made. This was as unpredictable a sporting event as I've ever watched. I, I, I love watching the highlights of this game. It was so intense. And I remember tweeting, I weirdly, I didn't tweet a whole lot during this game, but I do remember tweeting that years from now, if someone asked me why I love sports, I'm just going to direct them to highlights of Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, the best baseball game of the decade. So that will do it for this episode. That will do it for this week's worth of shows. That will do it for this list. I will be back on Monday. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. There's some news coming out regarding when maybe possibly they might start baseball season. We'll see. Um, Thank you for the people who have tuned in to listen to me talk about these games. I have enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a neat idea. I've had fun with it. I'm, I hope that other people out there have responded to it as well. What were some of your favorite games of the decade? Let me know on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. And I'll be doing mailbag segments again eventually maybe next week, probably next week at some point, and you can send those to the show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And if you're feeling kind, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, and leave a positive review of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and go Tigers.